I'm Dr. Heather Monthy from the About the Tea and STEM podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the developmentally appropriate podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. Hi everyone, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gwen. I'm so excited to talk to you tonight on our podcast, Gwen. I'm so excited too. I just really can't wait. Well, I have lots of questions that I want to ask a kindergarten kid. All right. So when you're doing centers, do you have a grown-up at every center in your class? Well, not really because some centers I just do it by myself. Okay, so how about the writing center? Do you have a writing center in your classroom? Of course I do. What, What classroom wouldn't have a writing center? I know, no kidding, it's my favorite center. Is it yours? Not really. My favorite center is probably the art center. Oh, well, of course. That would always be my favorite center. So what is something that you can that you do at the writing center that you don't need a grown-up to help you with? Sometimes we write words from the wall and, and we hunt for words around the room, but sometimes that's actually at the math center. If it's numbers. So if you have a job to do at the writing center, you don't really need a grown-up to help you do the job. You just need the teacher to tell you what to do when you get there, right? Yeah, because before centers, the teacher always tells us what to do. Awesome. How about the science center? Do you have a science center in your classroom? What class will, what classroom wouldn't? <laughs> so what's some things that you do at a science center? Well, we do have some magnifying glasses. And, 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 and right now, and today, I mean tomorrow, we're going to test how heavy things are. Oh, that sounds so fun. So, do you usually have a grown-up at the Science Center when your friends are there, or do you not need a grown-up? Usually, I don't need a grown-up. Because you know what job to do when you get there, right? Of course I do. (laughs) What's in your Playhouse Center right now? Well, right now, there's a post office where you can send Valentine's cards to everyone. Oh, I love that playhouse. That's one of my favorites. So, how about the Art Center? You told me that's your favorite. Tell me some things about the Art Center. Well, sometimes we get to make stuff like glitter stuff. I love glitter. 
Do you have well, a math center? Well, of course I do. What do you do at your math center? Well, sometimes we hunt for numbers, and sometimes we count beads. Sometimes we play card games, and sometimes sometimes we play with geobirds and pattern blocks. So I've got another question for you. During center time, how do the kids mind? Do they keep the rules of the centers because they're responsible? Well, sometimes they don't be responsible of the writing center, but they're responsible of the rest. They are? Kind of. That's good. Because kids are pretty responsible, aren't they? Yeah. If you know the rules, you always keep the rules, right? Of course. Well, Gwen, it's been so fun talking to you tonight. You're very good at podcasting. I think we should have you be on our podcast more often. Okay. I think that a lot of teachers, when I, when I present at workshops on guided reading and guided writing especially, a lot of teachers have the question of what are the other students doing. And so I promised a couple of workshop attendees that I would address that in a podcast. So I think it's a great time to talk about how we actually run the independent portion of Center. So I think the main thing is, and we've talked a lot in other podcasts about how important it is that you're doing the guided reading and guided writing. And so in order to free yourself up so that you can give the greatest attention at these centers, you really need to start with the plan of what the other kids are doing. I think that's the most important thing to plan when you're planning guided reading and guided writing is what are the other kids doing? Yeah, and we've talked about a little bit of some of our center ideas, but I guess we, today we want to talk more in more detail about students working independently, right? And Yes, exactly. How you get them working independently and, and what kinds of things that they could be expected to do independently, right? Mm-hmm. I think that because everybody is in such a different situation, I've always worked in an area where I have really high parent volunteer rate. You have a really high parent volunteer rate. But um, just recently, my friends in Pennsylvania told me that um, for a parent to even come in for one minute, they have to have a full background check and um, fingerprinting. And so I can see why that puts they a big would... burden on parents that they can't. <laughs> They have to pay yeah. for that full background check to come in. I mean, I can see why we're going that way. That's a safety thing, but that puts a big onus yeah. on parents. It really does. And, and like in our state, um, parent, we have if a parent volunteers all the time, regularly, they have to have some sort of a background t- check. But Or if they're out of the line of sight of, a, of the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like at a field trip or outside of the room. So I can see why as a teacher that that would be a real burden that um, you would have a hard, A, you'd have a hard time finding parents that are willing to go through those steps. And B, um, I don't think you're going to, 
as a teacher really be excited about getting parent volunteers if you know you're going to have to ask them to do that. <laughs> so it made me think a lot please about Please volunteer for me, but also please go do go all this extra stuff. Yeah, go pay $100. <laughs> At least in our state, if you do the background check, it's good for ever. I think they made it good yeah. for like your kids' school career. So that's good. And most districts will pay for it. I don't really? know if your district. Yeah, I don't, I don't think my district, district will pay for it. Yeah, my um, district will pay for it. Well, good for your district. And so I just think that <laughs> there's just so many variables. Yeah, And true. so I really wanted tonight to talk about um, what we can do to keep children busy independently at centers and still have meaningful um, activities going on so that you're freed up for those guided reading and guided writing activities. So I think the my favorite place to start when I'm planning independent centers that are going to be meaningful and a little bit academic channel challenge, academically challenging. <laughs> Does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> is the writing center. Mm-hmm. And the writing center, I I just love how. Um, I have it set up because it just became such an easy uh, setup for me that all I have to do is change it every Friday and it's set up for the week and the activities are um, ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the writing center is a really, the way you've got it set up where the activities are the same over and over, but the content of the activities are different. I think that's a, easy way to train your kids of the behaviors because I think that's the hardest part about having little kids work independently is you have to teach and model the behavior that you want them to do over and over and over and really solidly you know but where you've got it set up where you know you're gonna write the room for letters now you're gonna write the room for words the next day and then the day after that you're gonna label pictures with words and the day after that you'll use QR codes you know they it's a it's an easy way to train them because it's repetitive in the tasks that you're asking them to do right I mean would you mm-hmm. agree with and that? at the uh, and like you said it's all about procedure so at the beginning <clears throat> of the year I'm I really don't spend any time on guided reading and writing the first couple weeks of my centers because I'm just going to be bo- bouncing around from center to center making sure the students know the procedures at those centers. And they know the expectations, they know the behavior that will be tolerated there. And I think it really pays off because once you've taught write the room and they know exactly how the procedure of write the room is, the behavior expectation, then all you have to do is have that anchored card and they go to that center and it's an independent center. I uh I and I, I think especially some centers like write the room I rare I don't think I've really ever had to correct behavior on write the room because they're having no. so much fun hunting for letters or words that the behavior is not a problem. But what do you do if there's a center where the kids don't want to write that day and so they're not engaging like they should be? What what do you do? Well, I always tried to have 
the writing center followed by a parent center. So if you have another adult, a parent or a TA or something, I always liked it to be the next one. And so when they traded centers, they had to take their writing page with them, show the adult, <laughs> and then put it in their cubbies before they started the game. And that only took a couple times and they because they knew they were going to be held accountable to that work. And then I, that behavior went away because they knew that if they didn't, um, my recess followed centers, and I made them do that before they could go to recess. So, like two oh, times, you took their recess away. <laughs> well, for twice three minutes while they finished it twice, <laughs> and never well, again. I think, and if you don't have a parent age, you could very easily put the independent center that you think might have a behavior problem right before you. Mm-hmm. And then you know, if you know, I have some kids who are having trouble getting this work done independently I'll put this before they meet with me and then they know that I'm going to look at it and I'm going to make sure they did it right of course then you can't make them finish it right then I guess you have to make them finish it later but you can still well I always had them finish it after all of centers is when I had them finish it or you could put something really fun right after the center that's a little bit more takes a little bit more stamina and then, mm-hmm. oh, your next center was going to the playhouse. <laughs> but guess what? You kind of goofed around the whole time you were supposed to be writing. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to finish so, that before you go play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do that a lot. And another thing that I really like to do is I have a, um, the cent- each center group has a captain. And that captain's kind of the boss of the group. And so at the end of the center, um, all the kids have to show the captain their papers before they put it away. And the captain has to bring any papers to me or send them to me. I mean, it just, you know, making kids peers responsible for peers. And so I think there's lots of ways um, that you can do that. We've talked about having specialists for each center, like somebody that's really savvy at the iPads. you can have kids that are really savvy about the writing center <laughs> be the one that, that they have to show their work to before they put it away. But I th- it only takes, I think my point is, it only takes a couple times. Because once your expectation is made, then you don't really have to worry about it. There's a couple outliers here and there, but um, for the most part, you don't I've, have to I've worry been about using, it again. I've been using shaming to get my kids to do better <laughs> at the writing center because it's January. And I don't some know if them... shaming is what you really want to say. Well, I, I would call it a more uplifting word. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, then you give me the better word. But, okay. you know, it's, it's, it's starting in January. They started to kind of slump at the writing center and just goof around instead, so... I went over to and collected some samples and I collected some really good looking ones and then I found one paper at the table that was just covered with nothing but scribbly lines. And then after centers, I said, I want to talk about what I saw at the writing center today. What I want to see at the writing center is this paper. Look at this beautiful paper. I don't know who did it, but look how beautiful it is. They worked really hard. They wrote as many words as they could. They did their letters really nice and beautiful. But then look at this paper. It makes me so sad. They didn't do anything but scribble, and I'm so disappointed. 
<laughs> and then they all said, whose is it? Whose is it? I don't know, but my heart is broken. <laughs> I love doing that acting stuff to kids. It's so meaningful. Okay, that's not called shaming. That's called motivation. <laughs> <laughs> they did they did real they did much better the next day and they would well, run over and be like look how good i did today look how good i did you want to show my paper <laughs> i think that yeah i think that's a great trick to motivate them and because that's teaching them to self-regulate right there well and i think that's the hardest thing about five-year-olds and independent work is you're teaching them to self-regulate at the same time you're trying to teach them other things you are so we're not saying it's easy we're just saying it's very doable and I just know a lot of people that said they don't do centers because if they don't have an adult at every center they're not going to do it and and you know what that makes is a bunch of kids that are completely helpless (laughs) Yeah, because they haven't learned to self-regulate and haven't well, learned to be independent. That's part of our job is we have to teach them to be independent. We can't, we have to, I mean, by the end of kindergarten, they should be independent first graders. By the end of first grade, they should be independent second graders. You know, it's it's part of what well, we're teaching. Well, it's February, right? Yeah. Okay, I actually saw a um, teacher's aide she actually said to me, as I was returning a kid to um, centers, they were rotating, and I said, go find your center. And she said, how would you expect him to find his center on his own? <laughs> and it's February, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would expect that they could find their own center in September because it's our job to make them independent. So what are some other things that you've trained kids to do independently and how do you train them to do it independently and and how do you teach them to self-regulate? So at the Science Center, for example, one big deal about the Science Center is to teach them to take care of the material there. So if you have a sensory table at your Science Center, um, same thing with the Writing Center. You want to set the procedure, what's tolerated. Like if you have your table full of rice, and what's your procedure going to be when they're over there measuring with measure cups independently and rice gets on the floor? And so those are things you have to think through because while you're teaching guided reading or writing, you don't want to have to get up and go monitor and regulate that science center. So, Or have um, kids come over and say, so it says build rice on the floor. Yeah. So I have a little broom. And, you know, a little um, dust broom. What do you call those? The little... Just a little dust pan? <laughs> yeah, little just a little broom of dust the pan. Little <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so the rule is, if rice gets on the floor, they stop, they clean it up, put it back in the table, and continue playing. If someone um, throws something intentionally, then... Um, I make them just sit at the table and watch while the other kids play until they're ready to self-regulate and go back and join the group. So you just have to have your procedures watch you're going to do at the Science Center. Um, when you have tools, and I know you are really big <clears throat> on at the beginning, teaching your kids how to use the tools at the Science Center, your magnifying glasses and your um, microscopes. 
I, I think it's helpful at any center that I want them to get to be really good at being independent at to introduce material slowly and a little bit at a time and and don't put anything new there until they've learned how to master the other stuff like I have if I have magnifying glasses I'll make sure they know how to use them first and then I'll put something new over there or at the math center I'll make sure they know how to use the pattern blocks and how to put them away and what they're for and what I want them to do with them first and they can't play with anything else until they've mastered that thing so I think introducing materials a little bit at a time until at the end when they've got lots of choices to engage with that they know how to do and how to take care of and and you know I think that's also a powerful thing because if they start to use something inappropriately then you say well, I'm sorry this is not open in this center anymore because you didn't use it appropriately and we have to we have to learn the rules of this material again before I'm going to open it up to you. One again. thing that I really like about Saxon math that I think it does well and I think a few other math programs do it too is they really do a great job of letting the teacher know that it's really important to teach to introduce one manipulative at a time. Yeah, I think a and lot of math really, programs are good at that, yeah. Yeah, and to really engage with one activity at a time. And I think that that's really important that um, you do that. So if you're not doing that, if you're introducing too many things at a time, then that can really um, make a little bit of chaos at a center time and make your life a little miserable. I think another thing that teachers need to understand is that the block center, the playhouse center, Play-Doh center, and all of those things that take limited setup and very limited adult interaction that don't underestimate what's going on in those centers. Don't underestimate the learning, the power of play, the power of socialization and interaction. So when you're making your centers, make sure you space them so that they're kind of followed up. Um, one that you really want an independent activity that you want a, um, an outcome and a result, something produced. It, uh, make sure that it's the center that follows is something that's more open-ended and so you can use it that way that you talked about earlier. Yeah, and, and I think we're, we're, we're speaking from an assumption because we both use rotating centers but I think you can apply the ideas to different ways of doing independent work um, in your classroom because you can rotate kids from area to area or you could have a set list of things that the kids need to accomplish independently and then open it up to some more free stuff. <laughs> free stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't speak. Like I've done that way um I did that way for a couple years, the, the must-dos and can-dos, yeah. and that there, there was, for the week, there was five must-dos that they had to accomplish sometime during the week, mm -hmm. and then after they did those five must-dos, then everything else was can-dos, and, and so it's the same thing. So if you're going to, every one of those can-dos, you have to make sure that you've introduced them, the kids know how to do it independently, and it's going to have limited adult um, interaction going on in that yeah. center 
Well, and I think you're right because we discount things like telling the kids to go play at a playhouse or go pretend you're at the doctor's office or go pretend it's a grocery store. I think we sometimes discount them because um, because we don't see product out of it all the time. Like they're not producing something for us. And so it's a little bit more difficult to assess what they're learning there. And also they're so easy. <laughs> like yeah. they must, I don't need to have a parent teach them how to play grocery store. So they must not be learning anything over there. <laughs> but when you watch, I mean, I have a kid who has some, some serious learning difficulties this year socially not learning not learning difficulties social difficulties this year you know, like diagnosed social difficulties but you'd never know it when they're at the play center you'd never know it because suddenly they're talking to their peers and and interacting positively with their peers you'd never know that this was a kid with a diagnosed social problem but you think, oh, well, th yeah. this, this one's not as important as the one where they go and write uh, 10 CVC words. I mean, I but do you it know, too. It's, that kind of just shows you that it is just as important. Yeah. Because kids need that um, social-emotional um, activities just as much. Yeah. I think the difficulty with independent work with little kids, though, is feedback is so important to their academic growth you know like mm -hmm. getting good feedback on well you you didn't put your letter correctly you turn it around or you didn't say that word correctly let's try it again just that corrective feedback is so important and and you know when you're sending kids off to do independent work they're not going to get any corrective feedback or if they get it from their peers it'll probably be the wrong feedback <laughs> so well, it kind what of do you think about how, that yeah it kind of depends on how you have your groups if they're um because generally when you're doing guided reading and guided writing well not guided writing in my case but guided reading i always have them ability grouped Guided writing, I don't. I have two highs with two lows because I'm able to um, work with the low kids while the high kids just start, start soaring. Mm -hmm. And so I think if they're grouped like that, then they have peers to monitor each other. But when they're kind of on the same level, the feedback is lacking for sure. Well, I think that's why it's so nice if you can get a parent in the room or an aide in the room sometimes then you know the kids are at a at least at least a couple places in the room where they're getting good adult feedback mm -hmm. so i think i and don't know i took place, us on a tangent i don't even know how to answer well one place uh, well i don't either but one place that you um should look for volunteers in your class is your local high school because most high school kids are looking for a class and a lot of high schools have off-campus or star tutors or I don't know, they're called a million different things where they, can, they want to come into a classroom and work for an hour. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get those kind of kids to come and help maybe not necessarily be doing a center, but walking around 
uh, monitoring the independent centers and providing that feedback. Giving but, feedback. You know, I agree. It's If you don't have an adult at every center, um, the feedback is limited, but I think that the gains from it, gaining independence and self-monitoring pretty much outweighs it because I know that they're getting really great feedback other times of the day. Yeah, I mean, is that center. is that what the answer is? Is if you're not, if they're going to do something independent, it's independent practice, so it's not I new think things, it's not something exactly. that's they yeah. need to be corrected on it something they already know and then and then they mm -hmm. practice it and get lots of uh, review and I think that's exactly what it is I don't think you can worry about feedback at independent centers. you give it at other times and you give it when you're doing your independent mm -hmm. small groups well and and it's so important to free up that time for you as the teacher to be able to give small group feedback and instruction that mm -hmm. I think it's worth it and they pick up so many other things you know that art they are building their fine motor and when they play they're building their social skills and when they play with blocks they're building their spatial skills so I think that one thing that you need to post on the page with this uh, podcast is we did take a film of kids playing in the playhouse and Lindsay went and attached Common Core standards to everything that was going on in there because it's just amazing. Uh, one time I had a parent and the only job I gave her, and it was because I was doing a portfolio page of the kids playing in that playhouse and I wanted to put attached to it kids things that kids said about the playhouse. And I had her just sit outside the playhouse and write what people were saying and at the end of center, she said, honestly, I thought this was a real stupid job until I started doing it. And I was just amazed. I have no idea that kids really talk like that when they're playing with each other. And they were so engaged and mm -hmm. they were using so such amazing vocabulary and teaching each other. And she just went on and on and on. And so if you have a, a play area, which please, please, I hope you do, in your class, make sure that you give yourself um, license to take a center time and just listen to kids. Just listen what they're doing at these independent centers, and I think you'll feel so much better about it. Yeah. Something I was thinking about earlier that I hadn't brought up was uh, I think there could be, if you can't find parents and if you can't find high schoolers to come in and help you every once in a while, Maybe you could pair up with some seniors in the community. I think, I, I mean, my, my husband's grandmother came in for a little while and she just passed on this year. But I have a picture of her sitting with a group of kindergartners from last year, just all of them smiling from ear to ear. And she was, she was kind of deaf, so she could barely hear what they were telling her. But they <laughs> loved her. They loved her. And I think there's yeah. so much power in little, little children and, and senior citizens together. Well, and that reminds me of the foster grandparent program. And so contact your senior center and see if they have the foster grandparent center because the the foster grandparent program will pay for that background check for the mm -hmm. seniors and i had a foster grandmother that worked in my room for 15 years 
And it was just um, amazing for both her and the students. What else can we say? I about? miss her. Aww. I miss Grandma Capson. Oh, <laughs> she was with you a long time. 15 years. I remember some died. days were a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lots of days were hard. <laughs> Grandma Capson had no personal space. <laughs> yeah. She taught me a lot about patience. <laughs> well, I think that just to summarize, I just think it's really important that we bring those independent centers in our classroom. And not because we can't find parents and to fill those volunteer spaces. I just think that it's really important to have those independent centers. I, even when I have millions of parents wanting to come and work, I would limit myself to one or two during center times because I want to have those times when my kids are able to make choices and um, have positive experiences of working independently and learn to self-regulate and learn how to um, block out distractions so that they can work and become um, really goal-oriented, project, job-oriented <laughs> kids so that they become productive kids. Because they're going to go to first grade and it's not going to be, they're going to be expected to work more independently. It reminds me of the time you were teaching first grade and um, I asked you one time, don't you get tired of tying shoes? And you said, why would I tie their shoes? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of the same thing, you know. We have to not tie their shoes every second and let them go and sort things out and become self-regulators of their own fate, if you will. I hope this gave you some ideas, everybody. <clears throat> and shout out to my friends in Pennsylvania. That was great. Fun Hi, Pennsylvania friends. And, and I hope that I answered some questions of um, independent work. Um. I, before we go, I just have to tell you about the ESGI Bonkers sale. If you use the code Kathy Bonkers, <laughs> really, it's Kathy Bonkers. If you use that code, you not only get um, the $40 off your subscription, you also get a $50 gift card, and they change which gift card it is weekly. And you get 18 months instead of a 12-month subscription. Wow. So now wow. is the time. February is the month. Go to ESGISoftware.com and use the code Kathy Bonkers. K-A-T-H-Y B-O-N-K-E-R-S. <laughs> and save $40, get a $50 gift card. And 18 full months of That's a subscription. Amazing! It is. They've never That's had such a sale. That's an amazing deal. Yes. That's so awesome. go. Yes, do Go it bonkers now. with the SGI. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, Gwen. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for. 
Thanks for watching. Listening. Thanks. I mean, listening. <laughs> Sometimes I get confused of words. <laughs> Me too. I do too all the time. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?